This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, I'm really excited about spending this morning with you for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that this is the last week we're going virtual. So next week, I actually get to see you all live and in person. And so I'm excited about that. I've never been a big one for virtual because I just miss everybody being there. Um, And also because I've got a really, really exciting um, theme for this morning. Pastor Kathy and I have been speaking about stuff during the week, and I think it's something that's really going to add value to your life. I think sometimes we get so consumed with where we are and what's happening in our lives and what's going on that we don't always spend the time to recognize that there's a bigger picture at play and that I'm an important contributor to that. And so I'm excited about where we're going to lead this morning. Before we get into things, um, what I would like to do is I'm going to hand over to Babette to do the offering, and it will take up straight after that. Hi, everyone. How have you been? (laughs) We've been missing you, and um, we look forward to getting back together next Sunday, November the 29th. We're going to be live in the house and together. Um, Look at this. This is beautiful. Christmas. Christmas is upon us. It's been a really strange year, so everybody's decorating a little bit early. We decided we wanted to jump in on the fun. We get to enjoy all of this for a week more than normal. Um, So regarding the holidays, um, we wanted to let you know that we, as we do every year, want everybody to have the most amazing Christmas. So if you're, this has been a challenging year and you're going to have a hard time celebrating Christmas with your children, if you're a partner here and you have kids under the age of 18, we want to help you out. So contact me this week preferably before Wednesday, and um, we will get your name. We'll find out what your children want, and we will do our very best to help you and your family have the best Christmas. So I'm up here to do the offering, and um, I'm really excited about it. Um, The Holy Spirit has just been the entire year for me through COVID and through all of this craziness. He has been really taking me to Proverbs 3. And when I went to um, ask the Holy Spirit what he wanted me to do for this, he took me back to Proverbs 3. Pastor Gavin has been sharing about intimacy with God and prayer. And he said a couple of Sundays ago something that blew my mind and just and warmed my heart simultaneously. He said that prayer is a dialogue between two lovers. And I absolutely love that. And... Um, You know, when we speak to our lover, he responds back and it becomes just this amazing love letter. We call the word a love letter, but there is an intimate one-on-one love letter that comes from dialoguing with Father God. Um, But sometimes when it comes to our finances, we tend to leave him out of the picture. And um, and that's really... I think it, you know, I'm learning that it's just really a shame that we really need to bring him into the picture because he says that the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And that makes him the best financial advisor we could ever have. Our partnership with him in finances is formed through relationship, through our dialoguing with him. That's where we begin to build trust. And from trust, we build faith. Proverbs 3, 5 through 9 says, trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinion. And that can be hard sometimes, but it's really, really wise. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Every decision we make, he's interested. He wants to be a part of. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Sometimes when we hear, you know, become intimate with the Lord, that can make us like, well, how do I do that? Basically, it's super easy. The same way you become intimate with a person, you talk to them, you have relationship with them. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. That's easy for us to do. There's a lot of information out there. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you, we, I, will find the healing and refreshment our body longs for. Why? Because stress goes. And when stress goes, our bodies are refreshed. Glorify God with your wealth honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Honor means to make something weighty. We have conversations with people and we go, wow, that was weighty. It means to worship. It means to defer to. It means to put 
um, an emphasis on it, to make that opinion really big in our hearts. And we have the privilege and the honor not only to make weighty what we do with our finances through him, but what we do with our gifting and our talents. And when we do that, that's when we glorify him. We glorify him in how we manage our money, how we manage our relationships, how we manage generosity. And that's what really sets us apart in the world. That's when we bring heaven to earth in the world regarding our finances. So Father, we just want to bless you. We thank you that when we come to you, we can trust you, that you hear us and that you answer us as we seek you. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you, Father God, that we don't need to rely on our own opinion, that we can just call upon you where it comes to our finances, whether we are in a hard place right now or we are in a super abundant place. You have the perfect plan for our finances and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lastly, I want to wish you guys a really, really happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy this weekend with your family and with your friends. Just to reiterate what Babette said, I just want to thank you once again for all of those people who've been so committed and so involved to what's happening at Living Faith. I know that when there's distance, it's easy to get to a place where we don't always recognize our contribution. And I'm talking in a financial sense. But to those people who've been faithful and been committed, we're here continually. We are in contact with people and church is still happening. And so I still want to thank you for your support in that. Getting into this morning's service, um, I've titled it, There's No Place Like Home. And what I want to do is just kick off and talk about some stuff and just see where it leads. There have been a number of things that have happened in the last um, little while. And it's got me thinking about the importance and the significance of church and family and the body of Christ. And why were those things established and why did God put them into play? And I began to have a look at those things. And so some of the understandings that I've got, I'd like to share with you. And when I was bouncing it off Pastor Kathy, she had some great insights as well. Um, and so I'm just going to bounce them off you one by one as we get into things. I think the first thing that I want to speak about is the fact that there is a special place for all of us and it's a, sp- a place called home. And I'm talking in a spiritual context, but we can relate it very much in a natural context as well. What makes home so important to so many people is that home is the place where I find family. Home is what houses family and family is where I belong. The wonderful thing about family is that I'm accepted in that place unconditionally. It's not because I'm accepted because I look a certain way or behave a certain way or speak a certain way. I'm accepted because I'm part of the family. And part of the family means I have license to be different to other people. But in spite of that, I'm still accepted and I'm part of that. There's a key understanding, I think, for us when we start to have a look at that in the concept of spiritual family. God's created spiritual family for a reason and he's given expression to that and that local family is defined by the local church. I don't know what part of the body and what part of the family you need to be connected to. God's going to define that for you. But if God makes you and puts you into a body, that's the place that he wants you to be. None of us were ever born into a situation where we chose where our family was or who our family was. God was the one who decided that, but he put us in that space and it's in that place of intimacy that we grow and where we develop and we do in that place of nurturing that we define who we are and we grow into the fullness of who we we supposed to be. It's important for me that at this place, Everybody understand that if God has put you here and this is what you, where you call family and this is where you call home, you will be loved and unconditionally accepted. We live in a world right at the moment where there is a lot of dissent and there is a lot of polarization. People are at a place where you need to look like me or you're different. And if you're different, we're separate. You need to think like me or we polarize. You need to have the same opinions and disposition of me as me or we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. There is a lot of division that's out in the world right at the moment. And what separates the body of Christ, what separates the family of Christ is the fact that we are here and part of our calling is to be people who are a light and a light and a life to the world. 
What God is calling us to do is to sit and say, we're not about dissent. We're not about segregation. We're not about dissension. We're not about disunity. We're about coming together as one. And what brings us together as one is something that is far more consequential than anything superficial. Part of our responsibility as being part of the body is to recognize the fact that people can have different colors. People come in different genders. People come from different backgrounds and nationalities. We're going to have different political persuasions. You know what? None of that is consequential in the kingdom of God. What's most consequential in the kingdom of God is that when God looked at you and God defined you, he put a dream on the inside of you. He wrapped it in flesh and he said, now I want you to go and discover what that is. And you're going to discover who you are and what you were designed to be. You're going to discover the dream inside of who you are when you move to a place where you discover your destiny in me. Our responsibility as the body and as the family is to work together with you so that you can discover who God has created you to be. Our responsibility is to create a place of nurturing and a place of discovery so that you can walk into your destiny and your purpose in God. Family is all about embracing you. Family is all about loving you. Family is all about a bigger and a deeper connection, which is spiritual in nature, not anything that is superficial. And just as it's something that's as consequential and significant a driver for us, it needs to be something that that is a material driver in each of our own lives. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. One of one of my favorite things to look at is people groups and how we end up together, not just. Um, you know, how we became friends, but what, what was the context in which that happened? And I think for me, one of the things I look at with the people that I'm with now in family here at Living Faith, even the husband that I'm with, when we're born, God has us on a trajectory toward others, not just singularly. Mm. And I was talking to Pastor Gavin before we got started, and I I like to go to Genesis a lot and just look, because that's the book of beginnings. Mm. That's how things start. And so I, I was pondering, as we've been chatting this week, I was pondering that. And when God says it's not good that man is alone, man wasn't lonely. Right. I mean, he was fellowshipping with God every moment of every day. I don't think you're lonely if you're fellowshipping with the Creator in an intimate fashion. And yet, God had a picture that he was unfolding. And I believe that that picture even comes out from the Godhead. The Godhead is three persons and yet one. Mm. And the picture painted there is the Father and the Son. So even the wording chosen, even the way that God chooses to illustrate or translate himself out to us is a picture of a group Mm. that chooses to be together, that... Mm. You may start out in relationship having common thoughts or ideas, and yet there will come a time when you don't see things exactly the same. Mm. And the key with having a family heart is what do you do then? Mm. Mm. What do you do then? Do you choose to say, we'll separate because we don't view this the same? Because honestly, that's how we've ended up with so many denominations. When really there is one thought at the center that is the common ground we all stand on, Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. And yet, if we think we're all going to relate to him exactly the same way, then we would separate. And yet, separation isn't of God. Right. Man being singular is not of God. Mm. Man being in a unit, even mm. he brings about Adam, and then Adam has a mate. And so that was the beginning of family, and they would procreate. God's into groups, mm. and he's yeah. into diverse thinking. Mm. I think that's important. Yes, I think that's right. You know, I think something that is so important for the body, and I think think sometimes what we do is we, we miss the opportunity. But when God talks about us being the light that is supposed to make a statement out in the world, that extends to, and, and I think it is primarily um, founded in the fact that we're talking about his nature, which is love. When Jesus was talking to his disciples in John chapter 13, verses 34, he says, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What love says is, I'm not going to separate from you. I'm not going to create dissension or disunity. And no matter what it is, I understand that that has a priority and it is a priority. And so I will always work towards that. 
The world lives in a different place. If you're not like me, if you don't think like me, if you don't vote like me, if you don't behave like me, it's okay for me to separate myself from you. And in some instances, people almost um, view it as like, okay, not only is it polarizing, but you're the enemy because you're not like me. God calls us and he says, people will know that you are my disciples because of the love that you show. What he's saying is you're separate, you're different. What characterizes you is the fact that you're able to love people who don't look like you, behave like you, and carry on like you. It becomes fundamental. And this is what's, what is primarily of importance for me is I have a look at where God is taking living faith and what he's doing at living faith. And in our own context, it's, it's easy for us to get um, consumed and, and, and focused on my role and what God is doing in my life. But I think that there is a place for us to also be cognizant and be aware of the fact that God is doing something corporately yeah. here. Yeah. And the thing is, what he's doing in our own life is significant, but I may contribute to the body. God has never called lone rangers. He's never called people to run out and do their own thing. And it becomes really consequential because when you start to have a look at the book of Acts and you start to have a look at when God began to do things and move in a meaningful way through the New Testament church, the, the core emphasis there was unity. And um, if you have a look at it throughout Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts 4, one of the phrases that comes through repeatedly is the fact that they were in one accord. They were in one accord. They were in unity. Things happened when the body came together in unity. Yeah. Um, I want to read Psalm chapter 133, and I'm going to ver- read from verses 1 to 3, and it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. He's talking about people like you and me. He's talking about people who form the body of Christ. He's sitting saying, if you belong to my home and you're part of my family, unity is important. And he's going to tell us why it's important. It's like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. What it's saying is that unity attracts God's favor and God's anointing. What it's saying is unity gets God's attention. One of the things that is so important for us is when we start to have a look at this, it makes references to certain things that have spiritual um, relevance to us. When it starts talking about things like precious oil, what it's talking about is anointing oil. It's talking and making reference to the Holy Spirit. And it's important because anytime we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are consumed and we become aware of his presence. And as a result of presence, it translates into power. One of the things that we talk about repeatedly in this church, one of the key areas that we're focusing on, a place that we're wanting to step into is areas of presence and power. What it's telling us is unity becomes a precursor to that. It sets the foundation. It opens the door for an invitation for the Holy Spirit's presence to come in. And when the Holy Spirit's presence comes in, the anointing manifests itself and things happen. That should be something that defines the New Testament church. That's who we are. As, as the head pastor of Living Faith, I can tell you now that that is unequivocally where God is taking us. It's about presence and power. The reason I'm speaking so much about this is because this is not something that comes about because of one person or because of the pastors or because of volunteers. This is something which is an invitation for the body, the family at Living Faith to step into, to recognize that when we step into unity, we're creating a space for the Holy Spirit to come in. And when the Holy Spirit arrives, things begin to happen. It carries on and says, It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded his blessing, life forevermore. God commands his blessing in a place of unity. If we want to step into God's blessing, what he's saying is there are certain things that are going to happen in life. Don't let that separate and divide you. Because if you can maintain that spiritual unity, you set the foundation for great things. You set the foundation for presence. You set the foundation for the anointing. You set the foundation for power. You set the foundation for blessing. Unity is a precursor to many things that happen in the kingdom of God. I think one of the biggest mistakes is we misunderstand what it is to agree. 
we think to, to agree, yes, we're in unity, but we need to see things the same. And actually, that's impossible and for two people to see things exactly the same. Right. No one has the exact same recipe for how they grew up, how their intelligence operates. We're unique. We're each fearfully and wonderfully made. The scriptures mm. tell us that. And I think if we can see from scripture in Matthew, it speaks of where two or more agree, he's right there presenced. And you even said unity causes him to command the blessing. You don't even have to use your faith for the blessing. When you walk in unity, God's blessing is there. But I think right. the power is to grasp when you walk in agreement, there's something really deeper then we're in agreement because we see things the same. That's not necessarily the case. If that were the case, marriage would not work Mm. because a man and a woman never see things the same way. But their agreement is found in the fact that they choose to put their lives together, to put their gifts together, to put their intelligence, their capacity, their passions together for the purpose of increase, which is a family that will then carry the vision, the the moral fiber, whatever is Mm. the heartbeat of that man and woman. And I think the more that the church can get a less organizational mindset and a more family mindset, Mm. the increase will be commanded by God. Right. The visibility of his presence and his presence causes glorious things to manifest. I think so often we try to use our faith to make something happen when in actual fact, if we would just choose to put our lives together and then see that there's a benefit there. Um, Gavin and I were even talking just before we, we started filming that there's this power in scripture spoken of in the Old Testament that one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000. That's not addition. That's multiplication. That's exponential. So if one person chooses to walk with another person and they say all of our capacities, our gifting, our perspective, we're going to put it together and we're not going to let it be divided. Because in coming together and allowing God to sit in the midst of that, something big is going to happen. Right. I think, too, there's, we, we try to set vision, and then we aim at vision, and we think, well, if you're not going to walk with me in my vision, then we can't walk together. But, again, that's lacking a big picture, that every person with their vision and passion, it's a puzzle piece in this grand scheme, this grand piece of artwork that God's got. Right. And I really, I, that's one of my biggest things. Definitely not judgment on people that choose to see things differently. But I think we have to realize agreement isn't going to just happen. You have to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I laughingly said with you last week, Neil and I have been married almost 30, uh, 43 years. That doesn't happen because you see eye to eye. Right. Except on one thing. We're not going to divorce. Right. We've been put together. We believe God put us together. And so there's beautiful things to come from that. And I think here in this house, too, I think that's something God's doing. What really does he want to do with 34 years of the seed of the word being sown and sown and people being brought together? Right. I think that's such a good point. And I think one of the things that, that really is important for me that we all walk away with is having an understanding and, an, and a value for unity mm-hmm. and recognizing the fact that if I keep my eye focused on unity and I recognize the fact that things are going to happen in life because life and family is messy, yes. but none of that really matters. The thing about it is I'm not going to let it move me away from unity. That is what becomes so important. I really, I think that there is a call and there is an invitation to become a protector of unity. Um, I was reading during the week an article about the Great Wall of China. It was talking about how they established it. And the Great Wall of China is over 1,500 miles long. And it is between 12 to 40 um, feet wide in different areas, 20 to 50 feet high. And it is so enormous and makes such a statement. And the Chinese built it to defend themselves from invaders from the north. And it was so, it was so wide that you couldn't tear it down. It was so high that you couldn't get over it. It was so wide you couldn't get around it. They also posted guards at numerous places on the wall. So if ever there was an, att- an attempt at an invasion at any point, they would be able to rally the armies and it was wide enough for them to be able to send everybody in. Mm-hmm. 
What is interesting for me is despite the fact that they built this wall, in the first hundred years that the wall was built, China was invaded three times. And the way that they were invaded was not by tearing down the wall, but was by bribing the gatekeeper to let them in. And it gave me such a picture of what the body of Christ is like. When we have an understanding and we appreciate what God is wanting to do through unity, it starts to build on the inside of us an understanding and a value. It builds within us a responsibility to protect that, to understand that if I let my heart down and I allow the enemy to come in at any point, what can end up happening is I become the one who becomes the kink in the armor. I'm the one who takes on offense or whatever it might be. And I move to a place where I allow the enemy in. And when the enemy comes in, we have an invasion. And I I think the thing that's so important for me is that we should never diminish the importance of unity. Because when we do, we risk being invaded. And we we, we never want to do that. My encouragement to you is to be at a place where we understand and we have an appreciation for what God is doing here. He's doing great things. He's doing great things in the lives of people. And we are are moving closer and closer to a place where he's beginning to do incredible things every time we come together. When we come together at that place, come in unity, come in expectation, come in a place where we sit and say, God, you know what? Where, Where two or three of us are gathered in your name, we're looking forward to you doing the incredible. Protect that space incredibly um, and vehemently because anytime the enemy gets to come in, he gets to do more than just separate us. He gets to compromise our opportunity to experience what God is wanting to do in this place. I think it's important um, to recognize little things Mm. that are going to divide. It's in the early days here when I, I... I came to this church. I'd been born again since I was a child. But I I got connected to living faith because I was searching for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I had searched for about three years and then was introduced to Pastor Barry, got baptized in the Spirit. And we really, we weren't planning to come here, but it was God's idea. And after a couple of months, we did end up in fellowship here. And now I've been here for 30 years. Mm. Um, But I think one of the things that I learned early on was you have to recognize little things that will potentially divide you. And in order not to be divided, in order to stay in agreement, to stay in unity, you have to be willing to communicate. You know, through the years, if, if we sat here as leaders and painted the picture for you that we've never disagreed, well, first of all, it's laughable. I mean, human beings with passion and particularly in leadership roles, people have strong opinions and right. people have ideas and people have vision. And so... Through the years, one of the things that has been a core value for us as family, as church family, as the family of God, is that we would communicate. That when there's conflict, we don't run from it. We don't sweep it under the carpet. We don't push it aside. And and honestly, I, I can be totally honest, right? I mean, sometimes it's really uncomfortable because you can, you can get passionate in communication. But if you care about relationship, you will take the time to do that. Mm. And when you invest that way through the years, when you stay the course through the years, there becomes this um, force. I believe it's built by God that you, you realize how strongly inside that your lives have been put together. Mm. You realize that if in a relationship of two people, just like in a marriage, you let division come in, it's not going to stay between just those two people. Right. It's going to trickle out and affect everyone. That's the thing I I think that the body of Christ has got to realize that recognize the tiny things like you get a thought. In the early days, God would speak to my heart, don't be divided from Pastor Barry and Pastor Joan. I didn't realize at the time he was literally building that relationship with them as my spiritual parents, even though they weren't enough older than me to really be my parents. But I had to, to have eyes to see what God was building. He was building something that was pregnant with potential that went farther than just me relating to two pastors. And I think that's incredibly important, Gavin, for us to recognize and for us to share with our church family. Learn to see little things that just, you know, it's almost like they just get to you. 
They bug you. They make you angry. And don't let things like that fester in marriage, in church relationship, in relationship on the job. Relationship requires communication. You have to be willing to communicate. Mm. Yeah. Communication is so vital. It's key. If we don't communicate, we actually don't have a true idea about things. So what we end up doing is we we get into an area where we start to imagine right and, and we speculate. interpret we speculate yep. and it, it it's it's a very dangerous place to be yeah. yeah um i think you know just talk just kind of um springboarding on what you were saying i think one thing that is so important about church life is that it's family life yeah and it's important to understand that because in family life is not neat Family life is not contained. Family life is, is sometimes messy and sometimes it's gritty yeah. and sometimes it's real and sometimes yeah. it gets down to the bare essence of what it is. But it's in the context of family life that I'm beginning to understand and have a realization of who I am. Mm-hmm. It's in the context of family life that I'm beginning to see things. If you come to my house during the week, you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff that's happening mm-hmm. because life happens in family. The kids could be running around. They're busy doing homework. Um, Sarah's out working in the garden. I'm digging up this. There's things happening. There's mayhem where they're all rolling around on their skates. You have a, life is happening. Right. And the noise that you, have, that you hear as a result of the kids playing is because of life happening. The thing about it is there is a grittiness and there is a reality to family life. But we want to walk into church life and we think that it's all going to be shiny and perfect. And it's not. And so we have to understand that in that place, there is, there is a realization that I'm stepping into family reality. In family reality, people are learning and people are discovering and people are growing. When we're talking about in a family context spiritually, we're understanding that I'm a new creation in Christ. And discovering who I am is not always a clean, neat, easy process. Sometimes there are going to be mistakes. Sometimes things are going to happen. Sometimes the old man is going to manifest itself. Every now and again, the flesh is going to raise its ugly head. It happens in family life. The thing is, just as I want people to give me latitude and give me the opportunity to grow and understand that I'm stepping into something new, it's important for me to be at a place where I extend that same courtesy to other people. We cannot have a shiny artificial church. We need to have a real church, a gritty church where things happen. But although life is happening and growth is happening, it never separates us from who God is. I thought about why family is so important. And another one of the things that came to me was the fact that when you talk about family life, it's not about um, putting forward core values to live by, but it's inviting children to live by those core values. In, in the context of our family, we try and raise our kids by, by what we believe is right. And so we'll introduce them to core values. And we say, it's important for you to be somebody who is not selfish. Yeah. And of course, they're going to agree with that. They all agree with that. But we'll wake up tomorrow morning and we'll have a big argument about selfish stuff. <laughs> because we suddenly, although I agree with the concept, the thing is it's in family life where I suddenly discover something about myself and something comes out and I realize, hold on, I didn't think I was selfish, but I'm acting that way in this situation. And it becomes important because that's what happens to us from the spiritual perspective. Family life needs to be an opportunity not only where we understand what God's design is for our life. We're not only exposed to the written word of God, but we're walking into the living word of God all the time. And there are going to be times in family life here where I agree with everything that is that is presented from the platform. But I suddenly get up and I begin to walk it out and I realize that there are places in my life where perhaps it's not as evident as it should be. It's not about character development. It's about character discovery. That's the big difference between home life in a family context, uh, in a natural context, and home family life in a spiritual context. When God, when Jesus speaks to us about holy and he says, be holy as, what, as I am holy, what he's saying to us really is, in a family context, when you begin to walk out truth, when you begin to walk out love, you're going to discover some areas of your life where suddenly, I didn't know I was like this, but I suddenly realize I am. And I discover that at the root of that, it's because I have control issues or because I'm afraid of certain things or I'm caught up in anxiety. 
And the invitation he's extending to us when he talks about holiness is he's sitting saying, I want you to discover who you truly are as a person of love in that context. And when you allow me to come in there and you begin to live from Christ in you, you allow that to just move in and absolutely swamp that area. It changes who I am. I think that's, that at a pragmatic level is a difference between the written word and the living word. I agree in principle on one, but I got to walk out the other one. And in walking it out, it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, I think, I think that's so key because in walking out the word, we can see the principles of truth, but walking in the spirit of the truth, we mm. have to engage and, and even accept other people's humanity. I was thinking when you were speaking about when um, David came to our family. And um, Marianne and David, they've been married for 15 years now, have three kids. Um, But at the beginning, we were a shock to him as a family. We are not a quiet family. We have a lot of peace. We have a lot of energy. We have a lot of fun. But we're loud. We're not a quiet family. He Mm. grew up in a very quiet family. Um, literally by sound, quiet, mm. a peaceful family, but quiet. And so for the first, he, he laughingly told us this later, for the first few months, he would come to our family dinners and stuff. And, you know, if somebody's downstairs, we just holler, you know, and, um, you know, scream dinner's ready. And at the table, we're laughing and talking. And some people would consider us rude because, you know, we interject in conversation. We're just really energetic. And so he said for the first three months, he thought we were fighting all the time. Because he just didn't hear somebody holler for another person. But then the interesting thing is, I think he has found he's actually a lot like us. So he fits perfectly in our family. You know, I mean, he, he, nothing wrong with his family. But I think it's important in the body of Christ to understand, too, that we all may misunderstand what's going on. We may think someone is angry or we may think someone is really legalistic or rigid in this area and maybe they aren't really Mm. and we need to talk about it or share or even be honest enough to say you're freaking me out there or you're hurting my feelings there and just talk just talk you know when he said to marianne why are you guys always mad and marianne laughed and was like we're not mad at all if we're not hollering like that that's when we're mad if you're not hearing noise out of us, we're not talking, that's when we're probably all going to our own corners. And I think that's important in the body of Christ that, you know, just because you grew up in church or in your family or whatever a certain way, not everyone manifests humanity like you do. Not everyone manifests the word like you do. Not, I mean, we don't see everything the exact same way, but if you put together how we see truth, how we believe to walk in truth, then you take both those perspectives and it actually makes a huge picture that is actually more engaging for more people. Yeah. So I would encourage you all, anybody that maybe you're not sure of something that goes on in our family, our doors are open. We have mm. open door policy as pastors and leaders. Yeah. And I think it is important to realize we are human, all of us. Mm-hmm. You guys are human, we're human. And I think... If we're going to walk, if people are going to walk in unity, you have to accept humanity. And Mm. really, I feel like celebrate humanity. Mm. God chose to manifest his beauty Mm. in human form. And I think even um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you look at Jesus facing the end of his life, his humanity came through big time. I encourage you, if you've never gone to that passage of scripture, go there. He's... He's, it's gut-wrenching, and he basically is saying, let this cup pass. I don't want to do it this way. Mm. This is what his humanity was saying. Please, if this could be done another way, nevertheless, not my will. And I think at times, in order to walk in unity, we have to be willing to say, this isn't about my will. You know? Yes. It's, as a leader, I have to be wise enough in the school of word and worship to realize that there's faculty that surround me that may have a better idea of how to handle a week or a topic or whatever, than I do. That doesn't make me feel like we can't walk in unity. I actually celebrate like, thank goodness, because I've got no idea how to handle that. Mm. And the more that we kind of yield our lives together, like you were saying a few minutes ago, we actually will find ourselves Mm. and find our own peace. Yeah. It's interesting. um, I I was thinking about this and 
the Holy Spirit said something to me which is quite interesting. He said, the challenge with many Christians is because the temptation is always there to step out of the body and live from the flesh. Mm-hmm. And he's called us to live from the body. And it, it, I think when I think about my children, there is, there's so many parallels in the natural to what we do in a natural family home and what God is wanting to do in the church and in a church family. The thing is, I'm there and my responsibility as the father and Sarah as the mother is to raise children of character, children of character. And it becomes so fundamental. And it's really the, the, the reason that family is there is because it takes the rough edges off. We think we're so perfect and we think we're so fabulous by ourselves. It's only when we get with somebody else that we realize that person really irritates the daylights out of me. (laughs) And the funny thing is you irritate the daylights out of somebody else. Um, but we, we discover those things all the time. But it's in the family context that what's happening is things are being demanded of me all the time. And so I'm discovering new areas of who I am. I'm addressing shortnesses and, and weaknesses of in who I am. And it made me realize that the reason that I believe that is that it is so important for God that we be involved and committed to family is because he's doing something in our character. He's doing something in our character. He is 100% committed to our destiny. Our destiny is to be conformed to his image. It gets down in essence to our character. What God has got planned for our life and what he wants to walk us into, he is growing and developing us so that when we mature, we are ready to accept what he's put on the inside of us. We're able to embrace it and walk into it uh, from a place of maturity. When I first came into preaching, I've learned so much and I'm not there yet. But if I look back in retrospect, there's been so much teaching. There's been so much growing. There's been so much maturity that's had to take place because you've had to deal with stuff that you didn't necessarily even anticipate. But it gears you up because what happens is I find that I'm more equipped to handle life right at the moment than I was at that point. It's the same thing that I want for my children. I'm raising them up all the time. And so I'm establishing character in them. So when they leave home, they're equipped to go and fulfill the destiny and the purpose that God has got for their lives. And I think God is doing that in us as well. You know, I was having a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's obviously it's the love chapter. But speaking about 1 Corinthians 13, what it's doing is it's really an invitation that he offers us. And what he's saying to us is, I want you to live by my character. I want you to live by my character. And it's interesting because I'm, I want to read it. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. And it says, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages... And in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that I could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing." It's interesting because he, up until that point, he really speaks about the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's talking about those things that we really, in many respects, we, we strive to attain, particularly in a charismatic environment. We think it's all about having faith and we think it's all about prophecy and we think that it's all about you know, having um, supernatural knowledge. And there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But what God's saying is if your eye is on that to the exclusion of character, you've got a problem. He's wanting to take us back to basics. He carries on and he says, And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. A lot of Christianity speaks about the importance of being sacrificial. We need to be sacrificial. We need to lay down our life. We need to take up our cross. And those things are certainly have consequence and place within the Christian realm. But what he's saying is you can do all of those things. But if you're doing all of those things and you still don't have the character that I'm wanting to establish on the inside of you, if you're not living from that place of love, all of it's inconsequential. And then he begins to tell us about love. He says, 
Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love is joyful and it celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Perfect love never stops loving. I think the thing about it is this. God's priority in our life is to get us to a place where we are grounded and we are established in his nature. And his fundamental nature is love. And what he's saying to us, all of those other things are important. All of those things have a place. But unless your grounding is established in love... All of that becomes inconsequential. He's taking us back to basics. And what he's really saying to us is who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than your gifting. Who you are is more important than even your sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And that's where family life becomes important because once again, it's not just what I know, it's what's established on the inside of me. It's not just an awareness of the written word, but it's living and walking out the living word that's established on the inside of me where I'm recognizing things in my life and where I'm sitting saying, I I need, that area needs attention in my life. Why is it that I need title? Why is it that I need exposure? Why is it that I think everybody else is wrong and I'm right? Why is it that I find other people intolerable? Why is it that I put myself in a place where I'm judgmental about things? I'm increasingly uh, or on an ongoing basis. I'm encountering aspects to who I am. And the invitation he extends to me is to sit and say, let's have a look at that. Let's address that character. Let's deal with that. Let's step up to a place where I allow who he is to flood in there and change it. So I'm no longer living from a place which is dysfunctional, but I'm living from love. And when I live from love, it changes everything. It moves me to a whole new place. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to say, I'm a loving person. But when you speak about it, as you just were from Okay, character. I can say I'm loving and I can think the things that I'm doing are a manifestation of love. But if I'm not considering when I make a decision that I think is love, how is it really going to affect everyone concerned? I mean, parents Mm. have to make that choice that, okay, a decision is going to have a trickle-down effect. Every decision. And so we have to look at, is love really unifying here? And that's not to say that we have to stay unified in crazy situations, situations of abuse or absolute complete error. I mean, we would never say, go to a church that preaches nonsense and doesn't give glory to God, but never be, you know, never walk away. We're not saying that. Mm -hmm. But I think it is important to look at what is love really going to look like? Mm. Uh, Because even in Hebrews 10, 25, it speaks of forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, as Mm. is the manner of some. And when I was raised in a denomination that really taught a lot about attending church, being sure that you connect with the body, but it was more of of a tick the box of attendance than the gathering that's being spoken of by God through that passage of scripture, which is a gathering that allow your lives to be intricately put together. And of course that is so that the character of God that lives in one person, when they choose to unify with other people, then there's a multiplied influence of actual real godly love, agape Mm -hmm. love, the love that does what's best for people. You see, there's a lot of division on this planet, enormous amounts Within the church body, different denominations, um, politically there's division, uh, families have division. It's so easy now. It's so easy now to divorce. But divorce isn't just a thing to do with marriage. Divorce is choosing to separate when there has been a connection that really God intended. And when you separate it, it rips. Mm. And when it rips, anybody that's a part of that interaction is going to tear. And be harmed. And so I think that's something that really in the body of Christ, we've got to look at what does the character of God really look like when he manifests love? Yes. Because it's not a selfish thing. 
Even when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, love is not selfish. Love is not self-centered. Not, love is not saying, well, they just don't get me, so I'm walking away. I'm done. You know, I, I was laughingly saying in the chat um, for the School of Word and Worship on Wednesday night with, with Heather that I can have any number of attitudes. When you said a few minutes ago, you know, here and there we have these little blips. I, I can have blips daily. I have opinions. I have feelings. But do I make literal life choices based on that? Mm. No. Yeah. I've learned that I might be ticked off in the moment. Mm. But if I literally speak that out, it'll divide me and that person in relationship. I mean, anybody ever had a crazy thought go across your mind? I mean, I have crazy thoughts go across my mind. And honestly, as a Christian, I'd probably be embarrassed to tell you what they are. But they go across. Not everything that goes across my mind is actually a thought of my own. They're planted. They're thoughts. And they are meant to spark us in a way to divide, right. to disrupt what God wants to do on planet Earth. Now, if we, you know, steer that back and look at, okay, what does God want to do in living faith? It's a unifying force. He wants to put all of our hearts together, all of our minds together, all of our intelligence, all of our inclination, and allow us to sit together and let him be at the center, unifying it. That's going to mean that some of my ideas aren't going to get done. Because in the scheme of so many people together, we can't all do everything we want to do. But with, for me, this is personally for me, am I willing to disrupt a 30-year relationship where I know that I've grown, I know that my family has grown? Is it worth it for maybe one blip on my screen to say, I'm so done? I mean, to me, that's the epitome of insanity. Mm. Mm. It's an interesting thing. I was thinking about this during the week. But um, to me, family is a lot like an arranged marriage. There's no plan B. That's, yeah. that's the thing about family. It's like when you operate in family life, there is no plan B. It's not like you can wake up one day and say, well, I'm walking out of here. I'm going to go and live with the family next door. Yeah. Family is family. That will always be your family, period. You don't get to walk out of that. Mm-hmm. When you have things like an arranged marriage, it's, it's, org- it's, or- it's organized and you are introduced to it. There is no plan B. So either you make it work or you live a life which is hellacious. You decide what you want to do. And in some ways, it's an interesting concept when you understand that and you walk into a family setting spiritually. When we recognize that there's no plan B that God has put me in here, it, it, there is a glue that comes with that, that sits and says, okay, I got to work through some stuff here. I may not like it, but why don't I like it? I may not necessarily see something in that, but what is it that I'm not seeing? There's always a place for me to be introduced to truth and to love and to leave myself open to that. I think there's a core concept that comes into things that is so fundamental and it's the whole principle of humility. It's difficult to walk into unity unless I'm a person who's grounded in humility because humility says... I don't, I don't have a monopoly on anything. I don't, have the, I don't have the market cornered on anything. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I'm always at a place where I recognize that what I have is as a result of what he's gifted to me. What I enjoy is as a result of the blessing in his life. What, the fullness that I encounter is because of what he has provided for me and his nature that's, that's taking root and getting established. And so I recognize I really live a blessed life as a result of something outside of me, which is all about him. And it's a healthy disposition because it means that I, it, it marginalizes my opportunity to step into offense. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not about my position, my title, my anything else. <clears throat> it's about me just moving to a place where I'm sitting saying, all of that stuff is inconsequential. I'm staying grounded and rooted on Christ in me. Where are you taking me? What are you doing in my life? Mm-hmm. What are you teaching me? What am I discovering today? What am I walking into that's new? And what have you given me so that I can take that and I can impart it to the world around about me? You know, one of the things that I've noticed personally for myself, when a door is opening for some division, and other people probably wouldn't, maybe you've never thought this way, but for me, 
one of the things that I know, okay, something's lurking that could really mess up relationship or unity in with this group of leaders or whatever, is I start to feel defensive. I start to feel as though, oh, I need to defend my position here. And the minute that starts rising up in me, I've learned to recognize, whoa, 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 Kathy. Take a deep breath because this isn't really about your position. This is about our position together. See, the minute it, it singles me off, and that is one of the enemy's ways, is to isolate, to mm. make us go inside our own thinking mm. and think that they don't understand me, they don't respect me, they don't see it the way I see it. We mm. will sit and chat sometimes, and you'll say, I don't see it like that. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you need to see it like that. Mm. You can't see it like yeah. I see it. Yeah. You know, you're not going it's to true. always. And it's a good example because the thing is we don't even see that. But in some ways that becomes so important for people. So important. And the reason it becomes important is because I need my identity affirmed from you. Right. I need my position affirmed from you as opposed to recognizing none of that's important. No. It's affirmed by him. Yeah. And when I get to that place and I recognize that my affirmation comes from him, that my enabling comes from him, it puts me in such a a healthy place because I'm always looking for what he can do through me. And in that environment, people are going to have opinions. People are going to say stuff. People are going to do stuff. None of that becomes as consequential if the focus of my life is him and the greater one inside me. It keeps me focused on things that are far more consequential. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me established. And it keeps me rooted in humility, which is a healthy place to be. Yeah. Yeah. You noticed that I said I, I, I get defensive. I think it's important for us all to realize none of us reach a place where we never have the temptation anymore to be selfish or display bad character. It's just that you learn yourself. This is so key to me. It's important to know yourself. It's important to know your own frailties because that's one of the beauties in the body of Christ. If, if we're going to walk in family, then we have to trust God enough to know that I'm not going to always hear him. But when there are people near me that love me, that care about me, that want my well-being, they'll tell me the truth when I'm acting crazy. Mm. You know, if I don't see it myself, if I don't recognize, then they will come to me and say, you're okay, you're not seeming right. And I have to trust that, okay, they are, sometimes I might, even in that situation, get defensive, like, there's nothing wrong with me, what what do you mean? Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? But then I will walk away and God will minister to my heart Mm -hmm. that they love you and you are off here. What's going on? Are you okay? Because that's where love can cover a multitude of separateness or disunity. It's key stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate that. A couple of thoughts I want to leave with you just just before we sign off here. The one thing is this. God has a bigger purpose in unity. Unity is so important for him because it, it opens the door to the purpose that he has for us as a body. It releases the Holy Spirit. It releases the anointing and it releases power. It releases his blessing into our lives and into what's happening here at Living Faith. And so my invitation to you is to see things in the greater context of what God is doing and understanding the key driver to maintain unity, even if things may be slightly different or I view life in a slightly different way. Understand that you are welcome here. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your gender, your color, no matter what your history, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you think, no matter what your persuasions, you're welcome here. Because family is about love and it's about acceptance, unconditional acceptance for everyone. We always stay focused on the greater one and what he's doing in our life. And we celebrate the fact that he's doing something in my journey and he's going to do something in your journey. As part of family life, recognize the fact that it's going to be about character development. The people around about you are going to be the iron that sharpens iron. And that's not a bad thing. It's an opportunity for us to discover sometimes some blind points to who we are that I didn't see. I love the principle, but I didn't really see in my own life where some of those things were really manifesting themselves. And the invitation that he extends to us is let him come in and flood that area so that in that space we begin to once again let him live his life through us. 
Have a fabulous week. Be blessed. I want to pray for you before we leave. Father, I just want to thank you for every person who's watching today. I want to thank you for what you're doing in their life. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for the plans and purposes that you have for them. I want to thank you that every person watching today is a person who is a dream that is wrapped in flesh and our opportunity is to partner together with them so that in that partnership, we can walk into our destiny to discover who you are. And as a result of destiny discovery, And as we walk that journey, what it does is begins to manifest our purpose and the dream that's on the inside of us. I thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives right now. You're working with us. You're taking the rough edges off. You're getting us to a place where you're perfecting us. So we're allowing you to live your life through us so that we're equipped and enabled to walk into the destiny and the purpose that you have for each one of our lives. We thank you and we bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.